Hello, and welcome to One Single Thought, the podcast where two Christian single women take theological deep dives and bring perspectives on life, mixed with levity and joy. Well, hey, everybody, welcome to episode 32 of, 32. One, 32 of One Single Thought. Heather, I was recently on a podcast episode. Yes, you were. As a guest. The podcast was called We're Not Stumped, which is a really good title for an amputee podcast. Yes. So the podcast is hosted by Mike Boland, who is a congenital amputee. He was born without a right hand, and he interviews other amputees and people who work in uh, the prosthetic field and the caregiving area, therapy, all those things. So I was able to be on there to promote, tell my story, and to promote my upcoming mm-hmm. book, Dancing in the Valley, that comes out December it's coming 1st. Coming quick. And we have scheduled uh, toward the end of the year, as we lead into a Christmas holiday break we'll be taking, uh, some episodes that uh, you'll get to hear more about Dancing in the Valley. So be looking forward to those as well. It's exciting. It is exciting. It's a little surreal, and I have lots to do to get ready for that. But here we are. So Heather, why don't you share with us about today's episode? Our our topic was submitted by a listener. Yes, it was submitted by Jen Roman, who is a faithful listener. She is located in New York State, and she suggested this topic. So she said, surrender. Something I've been hearing lately, and I'm going to confess I struggle with, is hearing this idea of being saved, but then the next level of surrendering to his lordship of your life. I know there are not two levels of salvation, and I think basically what is being stated is that the individual has to accept Christ as their Lord and Savior, however, they haven't entirely submitted to his Lordship. So Jen, what we think you're asking about is, at what point does Jesus become Lord of your life? Is it instant, or is it something you have to do, secondary to asking Christ to be your Savior, When you surrender to Christ at the get-go, is that enough or is there another level of surrendering you have to do? There's a term called lordship salvation, and so that might be a question she's asking there. I'm not totally sure, but what does that mean and what does it mean to be sanctified? And if you grew up in a Southern Baptist church especially, you will probably know the hymn, I Surrender All. But the question is, what does that actually mean when you surrender all to Jesus at the beginning of your li- of your life with him? What does it mean to surrender all? And so our one single thought is what it means to surrender all. What it means to surrender all. Rose, let's start our discussion with an explanation about what lordship salvation actually is. And that's an actual theological term and That'll help us kind of unpack this topic. So explain that to us. Lordship salvation, what it teaches is that a true profession of faith will be backed up by evidence of faith or by the fruits that we exude after we make a decision to follow the Lord. If a person is truly following the Lord, then they will obey the Lord's instructions A person who is living in willful, unrepentant sin has obviously not chosen to follow Christ because when we follow Christ, Christ calls us out of sin and into righteousness. So lordship salvation is sometimes seen as the opposite of what is also known as easy believism. 
And easy believism is the teaching that salvation comes just through an acknowledgement of a certain set of facts. So let me explain that. When we talk about lordship salvation, we're talking about when someone accepts Christ and begins to follow the Lord, they follow him, they're obedient to him, and we can see that obedience played out in their life through the fruit that they that they give. If you are someone that is in the easy believism camp, then you believe, well, if I know that God is Lord of the world, a creator, if I acknowledge all of these things. And you can even say, I believe in Jesus. I believe in the resurrection. Yes, you can. Yeah. You can. It's very factual. Think mm-hmm. about it in a factual sense. Mm-hmm. That's what's considered easy believism. In some camps, at least when I, what I would say when I was younger, it was called fire insurance. Mm-hmm. So I want to become a believer because I don't want to go to hell. So there is a difference between what we would consider lordship salvation and easy believism. So Heather, how does the Bible back up the belief of lordship salvation? Advocates of the doctrine of lordship salvation, they point to Jesus' repeated warnings to the religious hypocrites of his day to show that simply agreeing to spiritual facts does not save a person there must be a heart change. And so Jesus emphasized the high cost of discipleship. He says in Luke 14, 27, whoever does not carry their cross and follow me cannot be my disciple. And those of you who do not give up everything you have cannot be my disciples. And that's in verse 33. In that same passage, Jesus speaks of counting the cost. Elsewhere, he stresses total commitment. So no one who puts his hand to a plow and looks back is fit for service in the kingdom of God. And that's Luke 9:62. But this doesn't mean that we're saved by our good works or by the good things we do. We're not saved that way. Good deeds are an outpouring of what Christ has done for us. So that's what we mean that Christ is the Lord of our lives. He changes our desires. We are submitting to his lordship. We want to serve him. We want to do good works. And so those good things we do are evidence of the presence of the Holy Spirit in our lives. And when we surrender to Jesus's Lordship, he is our master and we do what we do because it pleases him. So we're not checking off a list, a bunch of boxes to make sure we're good and that we believe and we've done all the right things, we're set. There's something more to it. Our hearts have actually been changed. From what I understand about Lordship salvation is that Jesus is your savior because he saved you, but he's also your Lord because you have submitted to him as your Lord. He is um, the Lord of your life and you want to serve him. You want to obey. And it's, it's an instant change. And Rose, when we talk about true salvation, what does that look like? We can break down salvation in three stages. Our justification, sanctification, and glorification. So when we're originally saved from sin, when we, when we, use that terminology being saved. Basically, we've acknowledged that we're a sinner and we turn away from that sin and we follow the Lord. And Jesus pulls us out of that life mm-hmm. of sin. At that time, that was that is what we call justification. And then as we live lives as believers and we grow in him and we learn, we're, you know, we're not going to never sin again when, we're, mm-hmm. when we, we become a follower of Christ. We are human. We're still going to sin. But through that, we learn and God grows us. And that part of of our lives, which goes from the day that we accept 
and follow Christ all the way to the day we die is considered sanctification. Mm -hmm. And then the final category or the final stage is glorification. And that is when we, after we die, we go to heaven and we become Mm -hmm. like Christ in heaven. Mm -hmm. Um, At that point, we become glorified. So for the believer, if we look at those three stages, we think of justification that was, that's, that's what was, that's what has happened Mm -hmm. when we accepted Christ. Our sanctification is, it's today, it's what we live in the present, we are being sanctified every day of our lives, and glorification is to come, so it is the future. So as a believer for me, I was saved at eight, my justification is in the past, Mm -hmm. my sanctification is happening right now, and continues, and my Mm -hmm. glorification will be to come. Another way that people sometimes phrase it is they will say, we were saved, we are being saved, and we will be saved. All of this is a growing process in the stages of the journey of going to our heavenly home. Now, if you read through Ephesians 1, which we won't do that today, Ephesians is a great book to read in general, and it's not mm-hmm. that long, six chapters. You can read it very quickly and easily. It teaches a lot of great truths. Paul wrote this book to the, the people of Ephesus, and the first chapter, the first part of the first chapter, if I were to sum that up, it talks about how we were chosen by the Father, we're redeemed by the Son, and we're sealed by the Spirit. Now, I'm stealing that from our pastor and his wife because they use that all the time in referencing who we are as believers. So, mm-hmm. we're chosen by the Father. The Father pursues us. Christ died for us and redeemed us. Mm-hmm. And we are sealed by the Holy Spirit. The Spirit lives in us. So oftentimes, I think when, when we look at those stages, the, the justification is, is pretty clear when we initially accept Christ. And though we've not experienced glorification, it's pretty clear as to when it's going to happen. We don't necessarily know all the what behind it because we haven't experienced it here on earth. But we know the process of when it's going to happen is when we die. The sanctification part a lot of times is where we, I mean, obviously we're living it now. Mm-hmm. I think that's something that maybe we need to talk a little bit more about. So Heather, can you talk more about what sanctification really means in terms yeah. of Jesus being Lord of your life? Yeah. So sanctification, and you kind of mentioned this, but as a believer, we're being made more and more like Christ. If you, if you have a, a relationship with Christ, as a follower of Christ, you're being made more like him every day through the work of the Holy Spirit. And this is a lifelong process because we still live in a fallen world. We haven't died physically yet. We're still here. And so while we're here, we're going to be formed into more and more into the likeness of his son. If you're a believer, you're still going to struggle with sin. But if you truly belong to Jesus, you're continually being refined. So that old way of life before Christ, that's going to fall away more and more. And so when you're first saved, Jesus becomes the Lord of your life at that instant, but you still have a lot of growing to do. You're not going to be instantly perfect from a human standpoint. You're still going to be, you're still going to learn God's word. To, you have to spend time to study God's word to understand what it says. You're still going to be rooting out sin. And that can be very discouraging for anybody, any Christian, but especially for a new believer, because you think I must not really be saved because I'm still dealing with whatever it is whatever sin is still in your life. But if you've truly repented, if you're truly seeking to put 
sin to death and turn away from it. If you're seeking the Lord through prayer, through studying his word, through fellowship with other believers, so being in a part of a local body of believers in a church, he's going to continue to clean that out. He's going to root out that sin and refine you more and more to his image. So for a new Christian, it may be an instant change, like Paul, for example, who on the road to Damascus, the scales fell off and he was instantly changed. He no longer wanted the old life. Or it may be a gradual reduction of some sinful tendencies. So example would be someone who had a habitual, they habitually used foul language. Mm -hmm. But now that they are a follower of Christ, they are having to put that away but it's it's a gradual where they're starting to realize things and sins are coming up that they never really thought about and so now they may slip up now and again but they're really working on getting that out of their their vocabulary and really working on doing and saying things that honor the lord when you surrender to jesus at the outset he becomes lord of your life and then you're sanctified as you walk with him so there's no second step or a prayer you have to pray in addition to receiving salvation there's nothing you have to do in a secondary nature to make jesus lord of your life either he is or he isn't and sometimes you'll find yourself surrendering to the lord at different points along the way so you do that initial surrender where you say okay lord here's my whole life i want to follow you be lord of my life forgive me of my sins that's the beginning but then as you continue to grow and are sanctified, there's times where you realize there's things you're still holding on to and you have to surrender. And Rose, you've got a personal example of that, uh, about surrendering during sanctification. I yeah, I do. I mentioned earlier I got saved when I was eight years old and became a follower, follower of Christ then. And, you know, at eight years old, when you say, I'm going to make you Lord of my life, my life is, wasn't that exciting as an eight-year-old. <laughs> And as I grew in Christ, as Heather kind of described, we have that that road of sanctification that can involve a lot of things to get us more like Christ and less like our sinful self. Mm -hmm. well, in October 2021, I was in the midst, I was two years into my health journey and knew I was about to go back into the hospital again. And I, I had really spent the last almost two years just saying, I can't wait to get, get back to life. I can't wait to get back to what mm -hmm. I was doing before. And I was really just like, the time is ticking. Can't we just get, get back to where I was? And right before I went to the hospital two years ago, it's almost two years ago, I prayed and I, I said, Lord, I know I've not surrendered completely to you in this situation. Mm -hmm. I've, I've, my, my hands have been on, on it. I've wanted to control it. And I just feel like I need to surrender it, all of this to you and be mm -hmm. open to whatever it is that your, your will is in my life. I prayed that prayer and I probably had the worst three months of my life mm -hmm. after that prayer. October, November, December of 2021 were some of the worst days of my life. I got an infection in my knee. I had to go back in the hospital. I got COVID. I coded. My multiple surgeries failed. I had to have my leg amputated. It was definitely the worst mm -hmm. three months of my life. And I had just surrendered. And I had to be willing to let go of that control 
and allow the Lord to be the Lord of my life. Now, does that mean I wasn't a believer before then? No. That's just part of the sanctification process. Mm -hmm. I was trying to control things, and I wasn't, <laughs> obviously. But I, I needed to loosen my grip on my life mm -hmm. and let the Lord be Lord, which is who he was in my life. But I wasn't acting like he was. Mm -hmm. And although I prayed that prayer, and then the next three months were just horrible, I had a peace about it because I wasn't in the driver's seat anymore yeah. or trying to be in the driver's seat. So that's an example of a situation where I prayed a prayer to surrender to him completely in this situation, but it didn't X out or ignore the fact that I already had him as Lord of my life. I just mm -hmm. wasn't acting like he was. Yeah. So I think that's an easy, I think, an easy trap to get into. I also feel like it's, it's sometimes during our sanctification when we may doubt our salvation, when things, and, and I went through a period of time, even during this three year journey where I was in a pit and I was like, I mean, I believe the Lord. I believe he's, he's Lord of my life, but there's, there were days where I, I waffled because mm -hmm. of all that was happening. So oftentimes if, we don't have a right view of who the Lord is, that the Lord sanctifies, the Lord is in control, and he's in control when good things happen, and he's in control when bad things happen, because he's sovereign, and he's good, then I think if we don't keep those things in the right perspective, we can get very confused and, and really harbor a lot of doubts yeah. with our salvation. So Heather, how can we avoid getting stuck in that trap that we aren't fully saved, air quotes, and view salvation and sanctification in a biblical way. Well, we need to remember, and I kind of mentioned this earlier when we talked about you, know, you first get saved, especially when you first get saved and you're you're struggling because there's still sins you're trying to, to root out or you're, or you're maybe you're realizing how sinful you actually are because that will happen, especially after you're first saved because you're starting to see Wow, I'm just such an evil. My heart is so evil because it really is. Everyone's heart is is desperately wicked without the Lord, without his his cleansing. And we have to remember a promise in Ephesians as you mentioned earlier. The salvation it comes through Christ alone through faith alone. And I will read Ephesians 2, 8 through 9. And it says for by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not your own doing. It is the gift of God, and not a result of works, so that no one may boast. And actually, I'll go ahead and read verse 10 as well. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so that, that we should walk in them. So we need to remember that our salvation is not because of anything we've earned. It's nothing that we've done. We don't have the power to save ourselves. So we, we depend on him and he's done it for us. Our faith in Christ is what saves us. Based on that a passage in Ephesians, the evidence of our following the leadership of the Lord and exhibiting fruit should confirm that we're saved. So if our, our hearts are truly changed, if we really want to show Jesus through our good works that we love him, it's an, it's an outpouring of what he's done for you. It's not because you're trying to 
check off a good and bad list. That is evidence of the Holy Spirit in your life if you've made that true commitment there. And our one single thought, going back to that, when we come to Christ, we surrender all to his lordship. Everything we give up to him at the beginning when we first are saved. We can't do life on our own. We certainly can't save ourselves. The world that we live in has nothing that's long-lasting for us. Everything around us is going to burn up <laughs> eventually <laughs> one day. And so we give up everything to him knowing that he's all that we need. It, it, really, that's what it means is we surrender everything to him. He's everything we need. So the Spirit changes our hearts. The Holy Spirit changes us. We're made more like Christ. Because of that, we learn what it means to surrender all. And we're able to do that. That's right. What it means to surrender all. Mm -hmm. Make him Lord of your life when you are saved. Mm -hmm. And Jen, I hope we were able to help you with that. So yes, I hope so too, Jen. Let us know. If let us know if that cleared up your question yes. or if we were way off. <laughs> but it, it is kind of a complicated subject. Uh, it is, yeah. The, the nuances of what it really means to, to be saved and to have Jesus as Lord of your life. And what point does that actually happen? And, and I think she made a like. really good point when she was expressing her, you know, her confusion mm -hmm. because I think it does. I think it just from her response and Hey, this topic and what she's thinking about it really showed that she's confused and is like, well, did not, is salvation not enough? Yeah. And what does that really mean? Mm -hmm. And I think for some, it could really, especially someone who truly is follower of Christ, it could, throw a lot of doubt yeah. unneeded doubt yeah well I, th I think too i think i failed to mention is there is a doctrine out there that believes a teaching that says you need to accept christ as savior and then pray to receive him as lord of your life or pray mm. to make him lord of your life and i think that idea out there mm -hmm. there's people that think that so you're not really saved unless you've also made him lord of your life but going back to what lordship salvation means if you if you are saved making him lord of your life is it works with that that's you can't be saved and not have him lord of your life right be truly saved all right moving on to less heady topics rose what is your one random thought so my one random thought is my one singing thought we should just change it to one thing you thought. We said this before. Yes. Right? This well, I try. I just don't know that I could do it every time. And this one was, this one was pretty easy. There shall be showers of blessing. So let me ask this question, Heather. Have you ever felt like you think better in a warm shower? Yes. I do all the time. All my best ideas come in showers. Yes, me too. And I think of things, it's in the shower. Well, guess what? You're probably right. You do think better when you're taking a warm shower because the warm water increases the flow of dopamine and makes us more creative. Not only does the warm water increase the flow of dopamine, but when I read some articles about this, the fact that you're in the shower and you're not focused on anything, it's the mm -hmm. one it's one of the few places where you just are in there to take a shower, you're not multitasking, mm -hmm. you're not on your phone, hopefully not. You're not doing things to distract you. So your mind is, the warm water is helping flow the dopamine. And then you're not distracted. I've worked out so many things in my head in the shower. Yes. So many 
conundrums I've worked out in the shower and walking. Walking is really good for that too. And now you know. Yes. What's the cause of it? So and now we know. So Heather, what's our one Ricky thought today? My one Ricky thought is notice me. <laughs> <laughs> Let me, for the for the listeners, uh, Heather made a big like she her eyes got real big and she leaned forward when she said notice that. Notice so me. You got to have that visual when you hear the ones run Ricky thought. Yes, Ricky, as a cat, has the ability to jump up on very high places. For a cat, he can, mm-hmm. he can jump probably about four or five feet in the air, which is kind of scary. That is kind of scary because sometimes when he's really playing, he will leap up. And, it's like a small human. Yeah, he's he can jump very high. And he can jump up on counters. He can jump up on, you know, obviously on the bed, mm-hmm. on different pieces of furniture. He has no problem. Doesn't let out a grunt or anything. No kind of noise. He's just He just silently jumps up and then all of a sudden, like, oh, there's a cat. I didn't notice you were there. <laughs> Is he secretly Spider-Man? I think so. Mm. But then there's other times, even though I know it's not an effort for him, he's wanting my attention because when he jumps up, he has to grunt when he does it. Oh, and usually it's when he, when I'm getting his food ready to feed him, he will jump up on the counter while I'm putting it on his plate. He'll jump up and go, <laughs> which to me means nothing more than I'm here, notice me and feed me now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and he will do that often whenever I'm, in the space he's in and he wants me to know he's there he will grunt like that a very guttural manly i've mentioned before that he's a macho man he is macho a macho cat, cat. Mm-hmm. he will grunt at me when he wants my attention especially when it's <gasps> dinner time yeah <laughs> sometimes it's that little like that but usually it's a grunt and it's it's pretty funny that is funny i've never heard cats grunt like ricky does oh we need to resurrect the Ricky the transition Ricky, yeah. that we had mm-hmm. because I need a better one. Yeah, like a grunt. Yeah, a Ricky grunt because mm-hmm. especially when you meet Ricky, if you've ever gotten to meet Ricky, the little grunt doesn't really fit him because it's just like <laughs> you're so so low and guttural. <laughs> this little orange cat, like how does that work? <laughs> All right, let's move on to our one single question. Our one single question tonight is, what is something you had to surrender? But after you did, you were glad you surrendered. What's your answer to that question? Well, mine is revolving around food. As a person with celiac disease, I had to give up gluten, which is... Yes, and tell protein. the audience again what gluten is. Gluten is, is a protein know. in wheat, rye, and barley. Oats are problematic because they're usually contaminated with wheat. And so can't eat oats either. I don't eat oats. It can be... Uh, a challenge to go to that diet and having to give that up. I've been I've been gluten free for almost fifteen years, so it's gotten a lot easier. But I will say there's some times where it's really horrible being celiac and not being able to eat certain things. The convenience factor is definitely a problem. But the opposite of that is being very sick all the time. Mm-hmm. So I I will say having to give up gluten, I had to surrender but I think in the long run, it's better to, to be off of it. Well, you also had yeah. to surrender all your dishes and pots and pans. Yeah. All the, the ones that were really crusted with mm-hmm. gluten and all of that, I threw all those away or gave them away because mm-hmm. residual gluten can 
cause an issue. Like if you use a shared toaster or an old pan with crusted on, baked on stuff on it, you have to be careful of that. So it can be, a, for celiac disease, it can be very challenging. Well, also one time I had to do an elimination diet and it was, it, it was actually related to my celiac disease. We were trying to, I was having some lingering issues and we were trying to figure out what was going on. So I went to a dietitian and if you ever do an elimination diet, I hi highly recommend you have a professional do it with you because it's really hard to do mm -hmm. because you're trying to pinpoint foods that are causing problems. And, and I did this elimination diet. I started in February, 2020. And so then, of course, the world shuts down. Everyone's <laughs> at home making homemade bread and eating pizza and getting takeout from curbside <laughs> delivery. <laughs> and I am eating, like, really simple. I had to give up caffeine and sugar and processed carbs. And it was just a very, very difficult, especially in the first few weeks, because you're basically eating nothing but a, a few foods that they've that has been identified as not causing you an issue mm -hmm. and so it was it was pretty miserable because I just wanted to eat I just wanted to drink a big tank of coffee and have <laughs> some kind of big gluten-free brownie or something mm -hmm. like some kind of treat or pizza or something to get me through that period of being by myself for three months yes or longer however long that was that we were in forever quarantine. yeah it yeah. seemed like forever but in that period of time when I was doing that diet, I felt really good. I actually felt, I've never really felt as good as I did. Probably right after I went um, gluten-free, I felt really good because I was getting rid of a lot of the stuff that was causing me problems. But that time I did the elimination diet really helped because I wasn't eating junk. And it really helped me to take care of my body better and all of that. And I was exercising. And again, if you hear this like oh I need to do an elimination diet I highly recommend you talk to your doctor first that's my disclaimer <laughs> just don't don't hear me say that and say oh I gotta go do that because it's a really hard thing to do and it's hard to be the other hard part about it is making sure you're getting proper nutrition while you do it so that's true too yeah because it's easy to not be healthy mm -hmm. so but anyway that was something that I had to give up for and that was a short period of time it wasn't like celiac disease but I had to give that up and eventually I felt better. But then I started adding everything back in. and <laughs> First thing I had was coffee, and it made me bounce off the wall. So, Well, that's an example of when you surrendered. Yeah. If you had just surrendered in away those things and turned away from them all, and yeah. the ones that were causing issues, you, mm -hmm. you would feel better. That's so, a hard thing to do, though. It is very hard. What was yours, Rose? Mine is a little more lighthearted than, uh -huh. than the food thing. That's okay. So when I was a little child, my whole <laughs> life growing up, I absolutely loved the peanuts, Snoopy in particular. And for as long as I can remember, I always had a stuffed Snoopy dog. Now I was more into stuffed animals than I was any other like dolls or Barbies or anything. Stuffed animals were my jam. I loved them. Mm -hmm. So I always, always, always had a stuffed Snoopy that I took with me everywhere. So I had a stuffed Snoopy that was about as tall or taller than me that I would carry around. Mm -hmm. He was dressed up like the World War One flying ace. And I would carry him around by his neck. So I would like <laughs> grab him around the neck and Poor carry him Snoopy. everywhere. Poor Snoopy. And I was also, so I slept with these animals, <laughs> these stuffed animals. 
And so I would, you know, would rub, like maybe some kids would rub a tag mm-hmm. on a blanket. Like I would always rub certain places on Snoopy that was felt good, the stuff where mm-hmm. his little fur was. So over time, my little, or not really little, my big World War One Flying Ace Snoopy got pretty worn out. It was mm-hmm. dirty. I had carried him around by his neck so much that his little head flopped over the <laughs> side. One day, he was gone. And my mm-hmm. mom said that... Snoopy went to doggy heaven <laughs> and that that I would get another Snoopy that I could play with but that that Snoopy had to go to doggy heaven uh-huh. so I was like okay I mean I was young enough to really not get it you know so I had to surrender my Snoopy and I was sad and even sadder I went in on in our basement we had our washer and dryer and it was over on the back side of our basement the unfinished part, which I didn't really go back there as a little kid mm-hmm. much. But for whatever reason, I went back there to get something like a game or something. And I saw my stuffed Snoopy in the garbage can. <laughs> and I was traumatized. Oh. But it wasn't long after that that I got another stuffed Snoopy. And I fell in love with it just like this one. And so the moral of that story was I surrendered. But my mommy and daddy got me another stuffed Snoopy, and it was it was fine. <laughs> Didn't even remember the old Snoopy. No, he went on to his reward in the <laughs> garbage can, so yeah. <laughs> okay, well that wraps up our episode for today. In two weeks, we will return for our next episode, which will be on October 11th. And until next time, don't follow your heart, follow God. We hope you've enjoyed One Single Thought. Our theme music is provided by Lindsay Cook, and we're so happy you joined us. Please be sure to share this episode with a friend, and don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss a single episode. We'd love it if you'd rate and review our podcast so more people can find us and join our tribe of listeners. 